Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 6 p.m. UK time and 10 a.m. Pacific time. A Sirius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age, revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. As always, be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the new world, the next master, life on other planets, and much, much more. Today on Aetherius Radio Live, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be talking on a subject we should all take to heart. Become a fighter for spirituality. So without further ado, I give you Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you very much, Thank Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. And hello, Richard. Hello, Chrissy. How are you doing, Chrissy? Oh, not too bad, thank you. How are you? I know you've yeah, come fine. back from um, the US. I the have, and that's... Indeed, that's probably what we should first uh, mention on Ethereum Radio Live, actually, because since our last broadcast, um, our master, Dr. George King's wonderful wife, uh, passed on. Uh, she passed on um, just a few weeks ago, um, and I've just been over there for, actually for the funeral. Um, also, Dr. John Holder came over from here, and I know up from Michigan, uh, Dave Capraro came down, and there was a number of people there. Um, I, I think it's worth just for a few moments, Chrissy, if we just dwell on uh, Lady Monique King, because she was a truly remarkable person, wasn't she? She was indeed, yes. I think that's a great idea. Thank you, Richard. Um, you know, she, she, for, the, for listeners who aren't familiar with her, it, it wouldn't be very surprising because she wasn't a person at all who uh, enjoyed the platform. She was um, uh, very much, I won't say in the background, because she was absolutely in the foreground of Dr. King's life and very much his, his advisor and often gave counselling and was consulted by him on numerous things and was extremely active in the administration of the Ethereum Society as a founder director and for decades. Uh, but she didn't speak very much on the platform. She, didn't, she wasn't a really a writer. I think there is an article by her in an early Cosmic Voice, but it's her, her sort of public um, communications are few and far between. So I think all the more reason, perhaps, just to say a few words about her and shall I start uh, with that Chrissy? Oh yes please do. Well I had the honour of of delivering the eulogy or one of the eulogies at her funeral service on Tuesday October the 9th and these are just one or two points from it not the whole of it by any means but she was born on the 27th of June 1930 and she she had a twin of course um, and this also is well known to people in, in the society, Ren Nope. They were born Nope in Belgium, actually raised in Antwerp in Belgium. And also, I should just mention that Irene 
uh, was a pivotal figure in the early years and throughout the decades of the Aetherius Society that she was active in, which was throughout Dr. King's life and beyond it. Um, and so it's a big loss, of course, for her. Um, and she likewise was born on the 27th of June 1930 and was raised in Antwerp. Of course, those, that was a very difficult time, as everybody knows, for everyone really in Europe. Belgium was in an extremely vulnerable position, uh, with the Second World War breaking out in 1939, of course, so they'd be aged eight or nine when it broke out. And I know they had a, a difficult childhood. But very early on, and I was lucky to be very close to uh, Monique, and therefore she shared many things with me. And I, I know that uh, her interest in metaphysics ran very, very deep. And she may have shared, I know you were a good friend of, of Lady Monique as well, Chrissy, and she may sh have shared that with you. Um, in those early days in Europe, it wasn't that easy, she told me, to get hold of even then, of yoga teaching, it was relatively new in in, uh, in Britain and America, not completely new because we'd had you know the great Swami Vivekananda and Theosophy and so on. And the main, the most readily available uh, school of metaphysics, she told me in in French, uh, for example, was Rosicrucianism, and she became very active in that and and really studied it. And then moved, a very timely move actually, in the late 50s, she and Iren moved to uh, California, to Hollywood in California. And they were there when Dr. King arrived in Los Angeles uh, in June of 1959 and met him almost immediately in July. And the rapport between them was immediate. I actually was very timely, Chrissy, because you may remember <clears throat> that I went over to uh, Los Angeles with Allison in May and yes. I went for various reasons but the, the probably the main reason I went was to speak to Lady Monique uh, about this early particularly this early period uh, of her meeting with Dr. King and how their relationship developed uh, in the 1960s really um, for the biography which uh, is now being written and uh, it's lucky I did because she hadn't left any notes or, or written things. It wasn't her style to do that. And so I'm very glad I was able to in tape record for a whole day uh, interviews with her about this. And she was forthcoming as she could be really about it. I mean, I have to bear in mind, as I've said, she was 87 this year. So, um, you know, she but she still had was fully um, appraised of everything. Very, very sharp. And what I really wanted to talk to her about was how that relationship developed and how immediate it was. Because, of course, in 1959, as we've discussed many times uh, on Ethereum Radio Live, well before then, Dr. King was a fully realized master of yoga who'd entered samadhi and who entered cosmic consciousness, who was receiving cosmic transmissions and had been doing so by then for five years. And... This must have been very unusual and, and possibly difficult. I, I didn't know, but she absolutely said it was just very natural. Uh, there was a kind of a romance. It would be a very elevated kind of a romance in that Dr. King was completely celibate throughout his lifetime, actually. And um, so it was on a high level, but it wasn't a cold level. It was, it was a definite romance. 
And it was really quite touching to hear these things, Chris. I don't know whether you were aware of that, Chrissy. Um, not all the details, no. I, I got to know her and it took me longer. Obviously, I wasn't as close to her as you were, but when I moved to Los Angeles in 1994, of course, I did know her in England, <clears throat> worked on projects with her from time to time, and was mm. just so impressed at how absolutely dedicated she was to, the mis- to our master's mission in every aspect. But when I mm. moved to L.A. in 1994, I, I got to know her. I got, became closer to her, and we spent time together. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, once we moved here to Michigan, we continued our friendship, which deepened, actually. And I realized more and more what a wonderful, loving, caring, and thoughtful person and friend she was. And I really, really mm. miss her, I must say. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Well, on January the 30th, 1971... So that would be almost, well, ten and a half years. Was it, is that, have I got that right? Was it 11 and a half years? Um, from July 59 to 71, it's over 11 years, isn't it? Um, that They actually got married. So they, they were definitely courting. They were definitely, as you might say, an item um, at, at a spiritual level and an emotional level, uh, not at a physical level. So I, I, I've been uh, definitely informed by both of them, uh, but that would be for spiritual reasons. And then on January the 30th, 1971, they got married, and the presiding minister at their wedding was Charles Abrahamson, and he wrote something for the, the newsletter at the time, which I think it's, it's worth just reading out, if, if that's okay with you, Chrissy. Just a short oh, yes, extract from what Charles wrote at the time that was published in the Ethereum Society newsletter. And he said this, For those who knew the couple best, their fellow directors and staff at the Ethereum Society Los Angeles headquarters, the marriage was a natural outcome of a long, pure and rewarding spiritual relationship which began in 1959 when Dr. King arrived in the United States for the first time. That time, Monique Noppy had already taken advanced degrees in the Rosicrucian Order AMORC. I don't know if it's called AMORC or AMORC. <laughs> yeah. Her life was already Amorc. dedicated. AMORC. Okay. Her life was already dedicated to spiritual goals. Dr. King arrived in late summer following the direct and explicit instructions of the Master Theorist to quotes extend Operation Starlight to the Americas. Shortly after hearing Dr. King address a public audience in Los Angeles on the teachings and objectives of the Ethereum Society, Monique severed her existing ties and became a disciple of Dr. King. In the months which followed, her energy and devotion proved invaluable, and she soon became his right hand. Throughout the years, this relationship deepened. Their mutual regard and affection grew as they faced trials and difficulties together during the fledgling years of the Ethereum Society. The marriage itself changed little or nothing, and the vows exchanged by the couple in their celibate, metaphysical approach to holy matrimony only served to further strengthen their bond. So those were some rather appropriate words written at the time. It's interesting, Chrissy, and this this was a revelation to me. I, I knew that their wed their marriage had been blessed both by uh, the master theorist himself and also the five adepts. But what I'd never heard before was the transmission delivered by adept number three through Dr. King. If I didn't even know it existed, and uh, you know, secretary, that's uh, that's surprising. And and it was played at the funeral service. Have you ever heard that? No, I have not. No. I I don't know anyone who has. Mm. Actually, nobody that I spoke to had heard this before. 
Uh, and it was um, adept number three himself in very pronounced term of uh, voice uh, and I'm sure we'll replay this in fact we're hoping to replay that very extract at our memorial services uh, which we'll be holding for Lady Monique in, in, you're going to the one in Los Angeles on November the 11th aren't you uh, and we're yes, holding one in, 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 in yeah and we're holding one in London on November the 12th at 11am Sunday the 12th and, and that's one of the extracts I'm very much hoping to get have uh, available to play to everyone who comes to that. And it's very telling. And I, I think particularly telling, actually, when uh, one also remembers who Adept Number 3 is, uh, one of the great, greatest and most unusual masters that we've ever heard of, and one who's had at least two incarnations on this earth before, uh, as Hercules and as Samson, and of course, as Samson, if we go by the story in the Bible anyway, it was all about betrayal of a, of a, of a, of a wife, actually, uh, Delilah, uh, as the story goes, if it's accurate. And it, it's quite significant that he was the one who spoke on behalf of the five adepts and blessed this particular union. Mm. Uh, and it's a very, and oh, it's a very, even a transmission in it. It is an amazing extract. Now, in, in terms of, of uh, Lady Monique, right from the beginning, she played a crucial role, and that was to sit at his side during the majority of the cosmic transmissions which were delivered. And that may sound quite a pleasant thing to do, but in, 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 <laughs> it's a wonderful honor, of course. But an it was an extremely demanding challenge, and that's how Lady Monique, I'm sure, took it. it. She wasn't there for her own pleasure or benefit. She was there to look after and look out for him. And I understand she did so brilliantly. She was the main person in helping in his recovery after a transmission, and they could take a lot out of him. And I've been told myself, and I'm not the only one who's been told this by Dr. King, that she saved his life, certainly on one occasion and possibly on more. So that was quite amazing. And in fact, there was another the transmission uh, that the Master of Theorists delivered very early on, on September the 8th, 1962, about her. And it's very rare for the Master of Theorists to comment on anyone, really, other than our Master, any, any terrestrial person. And he said yeah. this, Here we have a person who has never been known for her flowery speeches, neither has she been known for her great promises, but for her unselfish devotion to single-minded action. And he complimented her because she had given him essential healing uh, after, the, or in fact, the night before, uh, possibly after a transmission, but the night before a power transmission, and it's quite possible that had she not done so, this power transmission could not have been delivered at all. Um, so that's quite a commendation to get from the great Master Etherius. Uh, years later, Absolutely. and I'm just touching on one or two points only here, because this is, uh, uh, I think it'd be wrong to, to give this broadcast so soon after this happening and not... Uh, mention her for a while so please forgive us we are coming on to the main topic of the of the day uh, but in 1987 she played quite a role in establishing the ecclesiastical structure of the Ethereum society and this was accepted by the lord babaji himself you couldn't get a more elevated acceptance really on this earth than from the lord babaji and that was the time when she became a bishop and was uh, consecrated as such. And of course, one of the issues, as far as uh, Dr. King was concerned, was that she hadn't been on the 
platform a lot. Um, she wasn't one. She had taken services, but very rarely. And Lord Babaji made this statement. He said, the fact that she's been of service to the Metropolitan Archbishop for a number of years and has also been of service to the founder president of the Ethereum Society for more years than that does entitle her to be consecrated as a bishop. And she was a very shy person who, who didn't seek the limelight at all. But he went on. I think the Lord Babaji sort of certainly stilled any further need for further uh, comments when he said whether or not she's good on the public platform does not make any difference as far as we are concerned and should not make any difference as far as you are concerned he said that to dr king mm. it was her total devotion to him her position as his counselor as a, as a disciple uh, as an assistant she was a person of deep perceptions sometimes she she would share them with very few people i think uh, but she could have strong views and she could get flashes of insight at times, which was prized by Dr. King and extremely valuable to him. Uh, I, and, and actually, let's think what she was and what she did. I mean, she was actually married, and we, we make no bones about this on Ethereum Radio Live, to one of the greatest avatars ever to walk our planet. That must have been her karmic pattern. It was her destiny, and she lived it to the end. So I think we just pause and all send our blessings and our love to, to Lady Monique. Uh, I don't know whether you'd like to express a short prayer to that effect, Chrissy, here on Ethereum Radio Live. Okay, thank you for I've the opportunity. You in and thank there. you for the I've wonderful background. <laughs> didn't give you any warning, yeah. Well, let's raise our hands and open our hearts. A wondrous God, we offer our deepest gratitude and send our love and blessings to Lady Monique King, who came to this world and was a shining light at the side of our beloved Master, His Eminence Sir George King, who demonstrated that she was a spiritual fighter. She was a woman of great strength and will. And all the challenges she faced, she went forward, never faltering in her love of our Master and, his, and her dedication to his great mission in every way. May thy blessings flow now to this wonderful lady, Lady Monique King. May she be blessed and filled with thy love, O God, and ever surrounded by thy infinite peace. Thank thee for listening to our prayer. Tis done. Thank you, Chrissy. <clears throat> and as beautiful, uh, what we should say, of course, is that, of course, she was very much a terrestrial woman. There was no... And that was part of the whole power of, of the wedding, actually. The fact that there you had a great avatar marrying uh, a terrestrial woman uh, was also, additionally, we were told this very clearly in the extract from Adept Number 3, a karmic manipulation as well. Well, let's move on to yeah. Ethereum Radio Live. I think I think uh, we haven't got any time to go into this, but I know you've just discovered some information, Chrissy, recently about the existence, again, of the ninth planet in this solar system. And uh, th I think that's just uh, something just worth mentioning, probably, just very quickly. Yeah, actually, NASA is calling this planet the ninth planet, but I like to think of it as the tenth, because there has mm. been, as you, as you know, Richard, some... Um, uh, 
this thing about the planet Pluto, it was, um, which astrologers regard as a planet, and then it was demoted by astronomers to a dwarf planet. And there was some talk of it being reinstated as a planet, and I'm not quite sure where it is now, but I still mm. regard it as the ninth planet. So this planet I would regard I as the tenth, but we could call it right. planet X, as it has been called mm -hmm. in the past. Um, mm. <clears throat> it, um, that, all NASA says that imagining this planet doesn't exist causes more problems than <laughs> realizing it does exist, if you know what I mean. Mm. So yes. they are sort of more or less accepting its existence, and it's very, very distant past Neptune, mm -hmm. right on the edge of this solar system, and it's actually mm. being <coughs> watched by uh, a telescope in Hawaii, and um, it has like an elliptical orbit, and it's about 30 degrees, they reckon, to the plane of the other eight or nine mm. planets, whichever you mm -hmm. believe, um, mm. that orbit the sun. So mm -hmm. this is the, and because its orbit is so big, it takes mm. about 10, well, they say between 10,000 and 20,000 years. It's quite a wide difference there, right. Uh, right. to go around the sun. And this is why mm -hmm. we don't see it very much, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. there is, I have read elsewhere that it is coming into a position where we will be able to, uh, it's becoming nearer to the earth than it has for mm -hmm. thousands of years. So this is an interesting mm. fact in itself. It is. And, of course, we've always talked about another planet in this solar system, and whether this is it, I, I certainly don't know. But from time to time, astronomers have come along and said, well, there's nothing else there, and then others have said there is. And I think it's, they, they measure the perturbations of the orbits of other planets, and they can tell from this uh, very often that there must be another planetary body like this in the solar system, as well as their, uh, I suppose there are other methods of detecting these things. So that, that's just, unfortunately, we haven't got time to dwell on that, but we certainly thought we should mention it because it's possibly the new planet that we refer to in our teachings, and possibly it isn't, but certainly they are still accepting there is another planet in this solar system. Well, our, we're back to our Keys of King Yoga series, and we're on uh, number five now. And just to recap, just to remind everyone, we've, we've done the, other, the first four, which were solving the spiritual energy crisis, repaying our debt to the Mother Earth, serving the world as a whole, and last time, manipulating karma. Because all of these things have the hallmark of Dr. George King. They are concepts which, he, which are not just taken from our teachings. They fit in brilliantly with our teachings. Uh, serving the world as a whole, actually, it does. And they all do. But they're also things which Dr. King put his own absolute stamp on and which he represents in so many ways. And today, uh, we're talking about becoming a fighter for spirituality. In fact, we were going to call it becoming, um, what was it, a, a spiritual fighter. But then uh, we found the exact quote uh, from Saint Guling, actually. We'll come on to this later. The uh, Keeper of the Seal, the Ascended Master, who visualized the society in one of his transmissions. And he used the phrase, become a fighter for spirituality. So we thought, well, let's use that. And so do you want to start us off with that then, Chrissy? Um, I or do you want you're me going to start, start by talking a little bit about um, the old age approach. Certainly. And, certainly um, yeah. I'm sorry? Certainly. Yes, 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 by all means. Um, so how certainly, we've moved from... I'm sorry. No, you go on, please. How we've moved from the pacifism of the past 
and um, into a, a place where now we're, we're told that, uh, I mean, you can see it in the world, that we have to uh, take sides, if you like. We have to do something with our lives where we are working and fighting for, um, you know, with all the problems that are existing in our world. We can no longer just take a sort of um, a, a position where we, uh, you know, say we want peace and not do anything about it, we have to really fight for it now. Because once we decide that we want to take on a, 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 an important cause, a spiritual cause, uh, we'll find that we have to fight because it's not always easy. It's not easy. But uh, there's, no, there's no alternative anymore. Indeed. Well, in the old age, what you might say, the old teachings and in many religious traditions, uh, the spiritual person was encouraged to detach. um, And this is a very important ability to be able to detach, um, to let evil virtually wash over them and not engage in it and focus on spiritual things instead. And a kind of a pacifism went with this, and we've talked before about enlightened pacifism, um, where we're certainly not suggesting people go to war and and fight in a materialistic way or anything of that nature when we say become a fighter for spirituality. That's not what we're talking about here at all. We're talking about spiritual methods. But the time has come to to make a stand. As as Chrissy said, it's not good enough to, for example, as one uh, quote goes, seal the door where evil dwells. Even if that was ever correct, it certainly isn't correct now. We have to face this because the New Age approach isn't so much detachment as transmutation. But we have to fight with spiritual weapons. Uh, We have to fight with the weapons of spiritual energy, with white light, with the violet flame. And we have to fight with truth. Truth has a tremendous power And when we speak truth, if it's an important truth, uh, whether it appears to succeed or not, it will triumph in the end. And there's another very important factor, which I think is omitted, as far as I can tell, in most religious traditions. And that is the concept of helping the dark forces to evolve as well. Most people's attitude to the dark forces is that they are the enemy we don't want anything to do with them. We'll, and in the old days, we'll detach from them. We won't engage with them um, and leave them to their own devices. This doesn't actually help them either. So in fact, by taking this spiritual, the role of a fighter for spirituality, it's good for the, for the opponent actually because they too could be transmuted. They could uh, learn to change. It's a more compassionate approach actually and it's a liberating approach. And, of course, it's in keeping with an age of service rather than being an age of meditation, so we say, predominantly. It's a different kind of approach, an active approach, which fits the whole New Age uh, cycle. And we're going to refer to some uh, texts uh, which uh, epitomize this. I think it's interesting, and we've certainly mentioned this many times before, that Dr. King... Um, himself during the Second World War here was a conscientious objector. Uh, He engaged in the fire service, but he didn't engage in military combat. Actually, it was a family tradition. His father was the same. He was in the medical service in the First World War. Uh, He was engaged then in in his spiritual uh, 
pursuit and his quest and later in the yoga practice and he was encouraged not to i believe uh, to engage in this war and so he he wasn't one for every, you know engaging in wars or fighting in the streets for a cause or anything like that but he was an incredible expert and one of the greatest we've ever had in psychic self-defense and the use of spiritual tr- tools to fight the great battle. And he was a born warrior himself. So you had this strange contradiction, but it was expressed through spiritual means. And that, in a way, is, is, is what he epitomizes and what we really want to talk about in the remainder of this uh, edition. But I do think, Chrissy, we possibly need to go to Nikki for her halfway announcements, and then we can get stuck into some of the uh, transmission extracts we've selected. Sounds good. Thank you. Right. Well, thank you, Richard and Chrissy. You are <coughs> listening to a serious radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze talking about become a fighter for spirituality. And we can certainly put this into action. A serious society centers worldwide will be celebrating a vitally important date relating, uh, namely, October the 26th, the affliction of the alien, which is the second most important commemoration date in our calendar. So for more information, please visit Aetherius.org. As already mentioned, in memory of the late Lady Monique King, there will be memorial services held as follows at the Aetherius Temple in Los Angeles on Saturday, November 11th at 11 a.m. and at the Aetherius Temple in London on Sunday, November 12th again at 11 a.m. Every Saturday and Sunday, you are welcome to join us in the live online 12 Blessing service. To find out more, please visit 12blessings.org. That's 12 in digits. Now, to, later today, uh, October the 17th, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, uh, the Michigan Branch Temple, will be holding a King Yoga class on life after death. And that takes place at 7.30 p.m. in Moyal Oak. So please visit aetheriusmi.org for more details. Here at the Aetherius Temple in London, tonight there's a lecture uh, with uh, John Holder and Noemi Perkin, Working with the Gods from Space. On Sunday, October 22nd, there's a workshop with Vivian Gibson, The Joy of Chanting Sacred Mantras. And on Tuesday very interesting talk November the 14th by Alison Lawrence Mysteries of the Chakras so please visit london-temple.org for more details 12 midnight GMT November the 4th held in the first hour of the fourth and final spiritual push for 2017 when the Theorist Society centers worldwide welcomes again into orbit of Earth that wonderful giant spacecraft we know as a third satellite flooding our world with much-needed spiritual energy. This spiritual push lasts until December the 10th, during which all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. You are warmly invited to any one of our centers for this potent first-hour service. Now, please visit aetherius.org to obtain your copy of Psychic Delphi self-defense, which is available as a CD and an audio download. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to return you to your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. 
Thank you, Nikki. Nikki. Gosh. We keep busy, don't we? We do. And I think it's great that Nikki there mentioned, of course, the three adepts. And we've talked many times about that you can call them the three. They are the three. They became the five. And then they became the six when the Lord Babaji also joined their ranks or agreed to join their ranks. And and he became adept number six. So that's absolutely key, really, to what we're discussing today, because just as Dr. King is certainly a role model for becoming a fighter for spirituality, he he spoke the truth. He wasn't particularly concerned how popular it was. He stuck his neck out right from the beginning. Uh, He took a transmission, which you can find on YouTube, actually, uh, in the I think in 1959 in in the in in England, uh, and uh, certainly was subject to ridicule he didn't let it stop him he fought the fight and i think it's a a really uh, fantastic example but on an even higher level there is a battle going on and there is conditioning in our world and we we have to fight that especially on this plane there's a materialistic conditioning and some very basic conditioning and you just have to internally sometimes fight this to not allow yourself to become detuned away from spirituality by the mindset which is being encouraged uh, from materialistic forces uh, political forces and certainly most of all from dark forces Um, and of course this has happened through the ages and it happened at the time of the master jesus and i think chrissy you're going to tell us about the uh, most amazing event actually which took uh, took place in april of 1959 talking about the master jesus yes i was just going to read from um an old cosmic voice volume two which mentions a battle that took place on what is now Holy Mountain, Carnot Llewellyn. And uh, I'm just going to read the editorial comment by our master. Okay. He said, on April the 11th, 1959, in London, England, the Master Etherius described through his eminence, Dr. George King, as primary terrestrial mental channel, a fight which took place between uh, the evil magician and it says this evil magician, but we can talk about that in a minute. And one of the adepts, that's one of the adepts. Yeah, perhaps on we Earth should mention body. before you tell the story, the whole story. No, I just think we should mention who that particular evil magician was, because I think earlier in the editorial, it had been stated, hadn't it, that this, this evil magician was one of the uh, ones who was responsible uh, for the crucifixion of, of Jesus. Um, that's how I, why I mentioned the Master Jesus there, and so that's the evil magician that, that that's being. He was actually the he was one of the ringleaders um, who whipped the ignorant yeah. mob into such a frenzy that they demanded uh, the the murder of the Lord Jesus, and um, he was in the guise of a human body, uh, an insidious monster. Dr. King calls him in the guise of a human body up until this event, and sorry to interrupt you, that you're now talking about. No, Chrissy. no, it's mm. important to explain that. Um, so this fight took place between this uh, evil magician that Richard uh, explained about and one of the adepts, and that's one living on Earth in an Earth physical body at the time. Uh, and he was acting, the adept was acting on, upon direct instructions from the karmic lords. Both the evil one and the agent of light were in a projected state during this conflict 
at the end of which the black magician was not only transmuted from this earth physical plane, but his consciousness was broken up in many different parts, and he had to leave the earth altogether. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it, it, this is the kind of advanced metaphysics which uh, we're now uh, facing because the three adepts came to earth to completely change our approach. The, uh, even some of the great yogis and even some of the great uh, masters who were aware, certainly aware, of these dark forces, but I'm not saying all of them, but did not engage uh, in this kind of conflict. Uh, they, as I said earlier, they took more of a detached pacifistic, elevated, uh, a, a wonderfully spiritual approach to the whole thing. But the adepts came here to say, virtually say, no, this has to be addressed uh, and we have a battle to fight. Now, in that particular transmission that you've just referred to there, uh, Chrissy, um, the, the identity, or rather, should we say, the, the designation of the adept wasn't given. Uh, it, another name was used to, to describe that persona because at that time, April 1959, it hadn't been yet revealed, even through Dr. King, that the adepts were on Earth. And it's my understanding that sometime in the middle of May, um, the Master Ethereus did reveal this, started to reveal this, and then it was revealed more in more depth and in public by Mars Sector 6 on May the 30th of 1959, actually just before Dr. King went to America. And did you want to introduce us to that transmission of, of May the 30th, 1959? Yes. Um, the Cosmic Plan. It's about the Cosmic Plan. And uh, you can stop me any time. It's quite long, Richard, but mm. it gives a wonderful background uh, mm. to people. Mars Sector 6, you have already been informed on numerous occasions that the great and exalted Lord of Venus, the Sanat Kumara, came into orbit of terror some 18 million of your years ago. You were informed that, but a short time ago, the Mighty One left Shambhala to return to Venus. This is so. Now, while the Lord of the Flame, known in your holy books as the most ancient of days, known in your mystic works as the Sanat Kumara, was in Shambhala, great power was released to the goddess upon which you, like microbes, cling. This release of power has guaranteed for you, the human microbes, certain definite experiences, experiences which could not have been offered to you under any other conditions prevailing throughout the whole galactic system. Do you want to comment on that? I'd love to. Well, I think continue because it's fascinating, but we're getting to the nub of our topic this evening in a moment, aren't we? Mm. We are, yes. Some but... Some, but a few, profited greatly by this set of experiences. The majority, sadly, profited only a small amount. Even so, some definite steps were taken upon the ladder of evolution as a direct result of the intervention by the Kumara. During this time, Adamic man had evolved into the species who inhabit terror this day. The The turning point has been reached. The Great Ones thought... As a result, certain specially trained adepts were sent to terror. I'm sorry, I didn't explain that very well. The Great Ones thought, and as a result of this 
thought, certain specially trained adepts were sent to terror, adepts such as Krishna, Buddha, and the Venusian you call Jesus. Karma was balanced by their direct intervention. This secondary move was closely followed by another move, that of sending certain adepts with highly specialized training to terror. These adepts are among you this night. Some work in silence. Others, obeying their orders to the letter, work more openly. These adepts have taken the limitation of terrestrial bodies so that you terrestrials may see that you too can tap the source of wisdom within, even as these can do. Among these adepts are three who are specially trained to deal with centers of black magic now being practiced upon your lower realms. One of these adepts you know already. Shall I continue? Yes, that's an interesting statement. Uh, I think so, because then we can comment on the whole thing in the round, can't we? We can, yes. It has been decided that these realms must be cleared through the process of spiritual transmutation of the dark forces so that terrestrial man may evolve faster, if that is the right word, than he does at the moment. Of all the work performed upon terror by our agents, this next phase will be the most vital and the most dangerous for the performers. A mistake on their part will lead to unimaginable suffering for themselves. You can all help your world in a definite manner by consciously helping this next phase in the cosmic plan. So I think there we have a, a brilliant description. And this was completely new, really, at that time uh, to, to the listeners. It had never been... It was delivered, actually, at Ethereus House in London, and it was a packed hall, and in fact, it was the last speech given uh, in England by this cosmic master just prior to Dr. King going to America. And it's interesting that too, it's as though that aspect was also timed for the time when he meant, went to America and met people, including Lady Monique, who we've just spoken about, a different type of follower, which I have to say, I'm going to say quite openly, that that generation in America, and I'm talking about people like Lady Monique, Irene, Charles Abrahamson, Ellie Abrahamson, his wife, Al Young, and others, a small group, though, was far more, how can I put it, uh, committed and devoted to Dr. King than the equivalent generation in Britain. I, I don't wish to offend anyone, but it's just a historical fact and something I think, Chrissy, you and I experienced in the sense that a number of the people who were prominent uh, prior to our generation, they didn't stay the course like the people I've named all. And I'm, and I'm saying all of them, but they didn't all and most, in fact, of the key people didn't have the same kind of commitment as the ones in America. Right. And maybe it's tied in, maybe, to this revelation and the role that Dr. King played and this great issue that we're talking about here tonight and the type of people he needed around him, which he just didn't have at that time yeah. uh, in England. Mm. But that's just an aside. Mm. Well, mm. we've had to face it because, um, you know, we, we, <laughs> we came in and had to take the reins very, very early on, really, given our age here in London. But that's, a, that's another point entirely. The main issue is the 
existence of these adepts and this was a massive revelation of tremendous significance um, there's a little clue in there in the statements one of these adepts you know already um, and it also outlines a number of things um, one I think from what you've read there is that uh, this was is even more vital than the missions of being such as Krishna, Buddha, and Jesus, which must have seemed very strange at that time. But when things evolved, not least the event that uh, uh, Nikki mentioned, October the 26th, 1965, it can become clear. And of course, the Master Jesus himself fully acknowledged this in his outstanding transmission, the three saviors are here. But also, uh, it stated that they were given to us, this, this example if you like is given to us, so that we can tap the source of wisdom within, even as these can do, so they are role models, uh, Mars Sector 6 is telling us there, yeah. and we're meant to follow, we can't do, uh, we can't clear the lower realms, we wouldn't be capable of it, but we can, to some level, start to clear, start to transmute evil, wherever we find it, and we do it through some of the things we've already talked about, the transmission of spiritual energy, probably above all else and the manipulation of karma as well uh, and, and the word used there by Mars Sector 6 is spiritual transmutation uh, and that really is the key it's not um, basic warfare it's spiritual transmission uh, transmutation and this uh, the three adepts uh, and later the five and the six are fantastic examples of this I think it's very significant that the Lord Babaji joined their ranks uh, because here you have the greatest master on earth, and he too uh, has demonstrated with them this essential approach in these days. And I, I think actually, Chrissy, because we're possibly going to run a bit short of time uh, yeah. because of the tribute for, to Lady Monique, it might be a good thing at an early stage, right, like right now, to mention just some yeah. of the things that people can do. There are many things that people can do. In fact, everything you do of a spiritual nature is part of this spiritual fight. Just hanging in there and staying true to the cause and working for it, praying for it, uh, despite anyone's objections, despite people's disagreements, despite uh, that even possibly, although you don't get this so much now, but ridicule or whatever you get, this is becoming uh, or fighting for spirituality. But there's a particular prayer, Chrissy, that I think, uh, and we certainly here, and I'm sure you too, do this very regularly at, at the European headquarters and throughout the society, actually. And that's the prayer for spiritual workers that was delivered uh, by the Master Jesus on the 22nd of December, 1962. And it's a very useful uh, prayer, apart from being a very beautiful prayer, that we can all use when we feel, as it were, under attack, um, and when we're working for a spiritual cause and we're getting objections of all kinds. And I think it might be a good idea now, Chrissy, if we do that prayer. I don't know whether you've got it in your hand. I've got it in my hand, so if you like, I don't, uh, unless so. you have it there, I'll, I'll lead that particular prayer, um, and it's something we can do. But, and then after that, perhaps, Chrissy, you could introduce us all to the Violet Flame, which is another great weapon in our spiritual armory for the fighter for spirituality. So the prayer for spiritual workers, if people would like to join in with this, then please just be seated or stand if you prefer with the eyes closed and visualize a white light coming down 
through the head, through the neck, through the shoulders, out through the heart center, raise the hands in the prayer mudra, allow it to flow out through the palms of the hands, and let me lead you now in this prayer for spiritual workers. Almighty God, I bless all those who because of their limitations would smite me. O mighty God, I bless all those who because of their weakness would not heed me. O mighty God, I bless all those who because of their ignorance would defile you through me. And I ask, O mighty God, O wondrous power, that your strength may be given to me now so that I might be fortified by this so that I might go forward bravely into the world and despite reception send forth my love of thee throughout all races of man. Almighty God, give me the power and strength to rise above my karmic weakness the deficiencies in the pattern of my evolution, so that I might evolve and become stronger, I, and even stronger, in thy everlasting light. O God, thy will be done. Very beautiful. Thank you, Richard. And Chrissy, um, perhaps you could introduce us to the violet flame practice. Well, certainly it's an ancient, a mystic practice of the violet flame. One of the most sacred practices we can use, uh, taught to us <clears throat> by Dr. George King. And it was originally introduced to humanity, we're told, by the spiritual hierarchy of Earth to help us in our spiritual progress. And um, this wonderful practice can be performed by anyone, by all of us, and should be on a regular basis. Where does it come from? This beautiful flame is given freely and always uh, upon our request from the heart of the Mother Earth herself. As you know, listeners, Mother Earth is a very advanced, living, breathing intelligence from, from the very logos of the Earth. Um, and... If we sit, and we should perhaps do this now, sit comfortably and with our feet flat on the floor, hands on the knees, palms downwards, and let us now think downwards to this beautiful goddess beneath our feet, Mother Earth, and let us request from her great heart this violet flame, this flame of transmutation to come up through your feet, the lower part of your body and aura, and take this cool, beautiful flame up through the body and aura, right up above the head, 30, 40 feet or more. And just hold this visualization of the violet flame cleansing and protecting you. This practice, as I say, can be used at any time by anyone very good time to do it if you have been in crowds and you feel uh, like having a shower but it's more of a psychic thing um, violet flame will help to cleanse you cleanse the aura it's also uh, has 
will protect you uh, and so forth. And it's just a wonderful practice that takes literally a few seconds. And we highly encourage everyone to use this, especially those who are workers, fighters for spirituality, when this will help to recharge us um, in our fight. Thank you, Chrissy. And of course, it will bring protection from uh, interfering forces, certainly, as will prayer, as will mantra, if you know it. I mean, I remember Dr. King telling me that if you did get a psychic attack, or if I did get a psychic attack, just say the mantra and don't stop, because the dark force will have to take that mantra into itself if it continues. Uh, and it won't wish to do that. And uh, uh, talking of the violet flame, of course, um, one wonderful way to do it, as the Master of Theorists recommended, if you can do this, is outdoors, barefoot. Uh, and in fact, it's a great practice, as are the other practices of a theorist, which uh, are, are really wonderful things indeed. Now, we're running short on time, and so we have yes. a final reading. And I'm not going to interrupt you as you read it, Chrissy, because I think it okay. stands for itself. But I'd just like to mention that this is a transmission delivered by St. Guling prior to one that we refer to much more often, which is the great transmission from the Master Jesus, The Three Saviors Are Here. And as regular listeners will know, the St. Guling very often introduces um, the Master Jesus. He introduced all the Twelve Blessings, actually introduced Mars Sector 6 and all the Nine Freedoms. And very often it's quite brief what he has to say. It's much shorter than the blessing itself. And in this case it is shorter, but not that much shorter because it's rather exceptional. In this particular case, St. Guling himself, who is a great warrior, by the way, himself, as well as being the keeper of the seal, uh, gives an oration he gives a call to spiritual arms, really. And it's a very inspiring, uplifting uh, speech that he delivers. And I'll now ask you, Chrissy, if you close our show, perhaps, by reading this to us all. Thank you. Certainly. And interestingly, Richard, it was given on September the 23rd, 1967, which was 50 years ago last month. Um, but as mm. the listeners will realize, it's just as valuable today, if not more so, than even when it was given in some ways, in certain ways, certainly for us. Be ye prepared to work for right, for this is the hour, the hour of the prophecies, the hour of the turning point of evolution, or the hour of the defeat of all which is good and holy upon earth. This is the hour, the hour of light, or darkness, the hour of truth or lies, the hour when the foundation stones can be laid for the new age, or never can it be built by man upon this planet. This is the crossroad of evolution. It is the beginning of greatness, or the beginning of darkness. It is the hour of light, or a more stifling blackness than you have ever known before. You stand as helpless children in this hour. It is the hour when the karmic book is written for each and every one of you. When the searchers look deep into your heart, your soul and your environment and make their judgment, yes, judgment accordingly. It is the hour of supreme triumph of all that is glorious, 
or defeat of the best. The battlefield has been chosen. The armies are taking their terrible position. It is the hour of decision, for hereafter no man can stay on the sidelines. He is either a fighter for spirituality or a slave of the darkest forces in the lowest hells. This is the hour when the prophecies are either proved right or wrong. Gird well your loins. Prepare to stand fast for goodness so that the light of evolution might remain a burning bright flame and never be extinguished. This is the hour of decision into spiritual action or the hour of your fall because the opportunity has been missed. In this hour, for those who have come to help you in your frightful struggle, comes Jesus again to bless these ones. Listen well. Listen with your very souls. For this is your hour. And the opportunity will never be given again so prominently for 287 lives to come as it is now. I go. Wow, so that's quite an oration with lots of points in it and you can find those in this wonderful publication The Three Saviors Are Here and although this was delivered, as Chrissy said, 50 years ago it was delivered just prior as it turned out to Operation Carmelite and, and after the alien mission, uh, which uh, we referred to earlier it still applies very, very much today and I think the final final words that I would like to utter in this broadcast on becoming a fighter for spirituality and I just add that Dr. King is an absolute role model of that throughout his whole life he was always aware and always factored in interfering factors and forces and what we need to do to uh, transmute them and protect ourselves from them because the violet flame being a wonderful protective practice but this is the, the, the paragraph, Chrissy, for me, that really stands out and I think relates to all of us. And i just read that again. It is the hour of decision. For hereafter, no man can stay on the sidelines. He is either a fighter for spirituality or a slave of the darkest forces in the lowest hells. Yes. Yes. So if that isn't a reason to become a spirit, fighter for spirituality, what is? And uh, it's something we can all do in our own ways, and we've just managed to give some of them. So those are my final words, Chrissy. Over to you, and then over to Nikki for our final announcements. I think that's a great close, Richard, except uh, to say that, as you heard at the end of the transmission, he leads on to a uh, transmission by the Master Jesus, in which uh, part at the end of the transmission, he gives this beautiful prayer a blessing to the three adepts which we highly encourage you to use on a regular basis mm -hmm. Indeed. so over to Nikki thank you well wow what can I say thank you so very much Richard and Chrissy for once again sharing your inspirational insights and amazing revelations you have been listening to a serious radio live which is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month the next show will be on November 21st when Richard and Chrissy will be talking about unconditional surrender to God. 
As always, our website, Ethereus.org, has more information and details of the various publications and audio titles available on CD or download. You can connect with Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. We hope you've enjoyed listening to A Serious Radio Live, and we look forward to your company next month. <laughs>